Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with Brett Ramsey from Artisan Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we help retirees as well as those who are considering retirement overcome generic wealth management advice that limits your future. We do this by handcrafting customized financial strategies centered on your unique lifestyle. Jump on board for this journey where we delve into strategies that can help make your money outlast you as Brett draws from years of experience with guest experts to eliminate cookie cutter saving strategies. Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with your host, Brett Ramsey, where we talk about what you want in retirement and how to make it happen. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey there, Brett. How are you feeling today? Well, given uh, all of the excitement over the last week, I'm feeling really good. But excitement. Uh, tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, I think uh, you know many of my clients and many of our, our listeners uh, know a lot about my family. So last week was a big week for us. We uh, launched our oldest daughter into the working world. So launched she graduated her. from the University of Kentucky, uh, the honors degree in chemical engineering. So very proud of her and wow. um, everything that she's doing. And also my my middle daughter had a 21st birthday last week. So um, the fact that I'm here this morning uh, in good stead is is excellent. It's been a, been a busy week for us. Well, congratulations on all that. And congratulations for showing up on a Monday morning. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a Monday, but uh, actually, the events of last week, I think um, uh, it's going to seem strange when I transition into our guest today a little bit. But, you know, what it's really made me think about was my father was there and and, and we we're talking a lot about about his plans and what he wants to do. And and then I've got my my own children and I can really see time very clearly. It was one of those moments in in my life where all of my generations were in one place at one time and, and we're just kind of thinking through uh, all of the different things that, that impact our family. And, and so, you know, I've told the story, I think before, I don't know if I've gotten it here on the podcast, but you know, one of the, the big things that happened when my dad was starting to think about, um, you know, after he retired and what he wanted to do with, with his legacy and with his plan was, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, how to give well, and we've talked about that topic before on here. And we, and he talked about all these different things. I said, Hey dad, that's great. And we want to help him get started in life. And we want to help him get launched in, in, in through college. So we, we did some college planning many, many years ago, and we've done that. But then I said, but what they really need is you, they need all the experiences that you bring to the table that I can't possibly bring to them because, you know, my father started in very poor rural Arkansas got tricked into going to college, um, you know, ended up retiring as executive vice president of Bridgestone Firestone and managing their multi-billion dollar pension plan as one of his jobs. It was actually a side job. It was his hobby because he was running their commercial uh, tire division, which is all the big tractor trailer stuff that's out there. And so I see all this and then I see my, you know, now 22 year old, my 21 year old daughter getting launched into life. And I'm trying to think of what time is going to look like for them and what, what are things going to look like in their future? And I realized, though, in a lot of ways, that's what I do for my clients all the time is we're trying to help them look at not just 15, 20, 50 years down the road, but we're trying to help them look at the next typically three to five. And so with Jason today and from Invesco, one of the, and I'll let him tell about his story, but we use their one of their product lines very succinctly and very specifically in, in helping our clients look through the next, you know, really five years of life. And we think there's great information that's available um, really just directly from their website. I use one of their tools all the time. They have this little bond laddering tool on there, and it helps me show my clients a very 
really clear snapshot of what's going on in the interest rate and market and what's going on in, in terms of the timeline. And, and I can just really quickly show them, hey, here's what the world thinks the next three to five years looks like, because here's where the yields are. Here's where the interest rates are. And so we use these things all the time in, in our practice. And, and I thought it was very important for my clients to hear directly from them about, about their company, how it functions and, and all those things. And so with that, I'll, I'll let Jason kind of give us a little background on himself. And then we'll talk a little bit more about, about bullet shares. Yeah, sure. Brett. Wow, oh, man. Thanks so much for having me here. And um, that was what a great sort of setup right, for the conversation today. Um, I've got four boys myself. We're a little bit farther behind um, in the uh, in the timeline than you are. But my first is going off to college uh, this summer. So, um, yeah, talk about uh, trying to set them up for the future and um, in plan for the future. Um, I've, I've been involved in fixed income. Um, for almost 23 years now, professionally. Um, I traded um, global interest rates and commodities, actually, um, for a hedge fund in Chicago for about 10 years. And then in 2009, I went to work for um, the old Guggenheim ETF business, and which, um, in which, and I was actually spent two years of my life, um, most of my professional life for those two years was dedicated to bringing a product called the Bullet Shares ETFs to market. And then uh, eventually left, came to Invesco. And then a few years later, we purchased Guggenheim's ETF business and all my kids came back to me. Um, we couldn't have possibly planned it out. And I think of that, some of, some of that um, crazy career path that I've had in, in at least my life experience suggests that, you know, you do your best to plan for the future, but the future is really hard to predict. And, and there's nothing that drives that point home more certainly than the financial markets over the last couple of decades. And uh, in, in one of the things that's really fun for me um, in, in working with the bullet shares is um, they provide this, this, this sleeve of visibility um, in an investment portfolio that is so unique. And that's what, you know, buying bonds and holding bonds to maturity. The idea is as long as this bond doesn't default, I know exactly what my total return is going to be over any given time frame. That is such a unique um, such a unique outcome uh, in the investment world and uh, bringing sort of that old school buying bonds, holding them to maturity, laddering bonds of different maturities, like bringing that whole process to the ETF technology and the ETF ecosystem. I mean, I guess I spent, you know, that's probably the core of what I've spent the last, you know, 13 years of my life working on along with other types of investment exposures within the ETF landscape. But um it's definitely one of my favorites and, and really fun to talk about. Well, awesome. Cause I, I think you're bringing a point there that uh, sometimes what I call is what is old is new again. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, when we had an interest rate environment, really quite frankly, that we've had for quite a long time, it's hard sometimes for people to think back and, and, I tell this story, you'll find there's a lot of stories about my dad, but I, I learned about fixed income investing kind of in a weird way. So we moved a lot when I was a child as my dad was with Firestone. And one of the tasks he used to do when we would go on these house hunting trips, they would give you one week to move to a new town and find a new house. And um, my mom and I, I was an only child, my mom and I would go along. And basically this was an exercise in my dad setting financial parameters for what kind of house my mom could buy. And um, her objective was then to find a house that she wanted to decorate and move into and all those kinds of things. And my job was to not get bored. Um, it was really, really a hard job. 
So, but back through the mid eighties, we had a very different interest rate environment. And so we were actually moving to Akron, Ohio, when I was in um, elementary school, this is how my dad thought passing time was fun. My dad's got an accounting background and finance background. So he gave me a book of amortization tables of interest rates to calculate 20 and 30 year mortgages. So every house that we would pull into, he would say, okay, Brett, if we buy this house and we put this much money down, what's our monthly principal and interest payment going to be? You talk about a barn burner kind of a trip. It was a great time to be a kid, right? <laughs> Sitting in the back of a 1976 Pontiac Grand Prix and a big vinyl bench seat trying to figure out interest rates. And, and he would give me the paper in the morning and show me what the current interest rates were. And I would have to make the calculations. But that book still started the lowest interest rate possible in that book was eight. Yeah. <laughs> right. And now if we think about getting an interest rate in eight, we would be like, oh, wow, that's like high. And so, you know, really for a lot of our retirees and our recent investors, they haven't seen interest rates that have been very high. And so it's very hard for them to think about this over a period of time. But what I what I talk about oftentimes is, and, and we'll kind of get specifically into bullet cheers, but this idea of laddering and the possibility of rising interest rates and falling interest rates and how markets change over time is I think is a very crucial one for retirees in particular. And, and you can kind of maybe debate me or think if I'm wrong, but what I try to tell people is in a really lower interest rate environment where we were, if we, what I call buy our retirement income, which is when we're making an investment that we're expecting to mature, whether that's bond ladder, ETF ladder, whatever, if we're buying it at low interest rates and we buy very far out, we're paying the most expensive price we can for our retirement income. Right. right? And so like, I always challenge people is like, Hey, don't get locked into some of these stories where they're trying to lock up your retirement income money for 15, 20, 30 years. And, and I'm not, I'm once again, not batching. I used to be senior vice president and national sales manager for an annuity company. We were doing a billion a year in premium. I know about a lot of these products and CDs and things that banks have, and I'm not against them. I'm just trying to tell people is that if interest rates rise and we're locking in some, some, high prices for our retirement income. So that's why I like the idea of laddering. So, so maybe you can just kind of explain to our audience a little bit, just simply, you said it is, what is a bond ladder? Like just explain that concept to people. Sure, sure. So um, bond laddering is the idea of you buying bonds with sequential maturity dates, right? M uh, maturity dates. So if I buy a bond that uh, is a 2024 uh, bond, uh, it's going to, you know, I, I pay for the bond now, I'm going to get my my coupon interest payments. And then in 2024, the bond matures and they pay par value back to me. So usually, you know, par value is usually a hundred for a bond, right? So, um, and then laddering bonds means buying a, a, a sequence, like buying several bonds that have staggered maturity dates. So a bond ladder might have bond that matures in 2024, bond that matures in 2025, bond that matures in 2026 and so on. And it's pretty easy to do that all the way out 10 years. And then if you want to ladder municipal bonds, you could, you could ladder them all the way out 30 years. Um, but the idea here is that why, well, why would you buy, uh, you know, a range of maturities and bonds? Well, the whole idea is you don't know what the interest rate environment is going to be a year or two from now, or let alone five or 10 years right from now. And so, um, the, 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 it, it essentially allows you to manage the risk of changing interest rates in the future by not putting all of your eggs in one basket. So kind of getting back to that point you made, Brett, where if I, if I lock in um, a 3.5% interest rate for 20 years, and then two years from now, 
interest rates rise dramatically, which actually we now know can happen. Um, and two years from now, I could have bought that 20-year bond with a 6% yield. That was a huge opportunity that I've missed now. I'm locked up, right, for 20 years. So um, rather than putting, taking a, a, a big risk on, on which, uh, big, making a big bet, essentially, on the direction that interest rates are going to move, um, I could buy, I could put some of my money in those 20-year bonds, but then I could put some in 10, and then I could put some in two-year bonds. So if in two years, interest rates have risen dramatically, those bonds are going to mature. I'm going to get my, my you know, par value back. And now I can reinvest that par value at those dramatically higher interest rates. And I get a big jump in yield rather than just kind of sit there twiddling my thumbs for 20 years, waiting for my bonds to mature. So now I can finally reinvest and get those higher yields. The idea here is uh, now, now the opposite could happen as well, right? Um, um, you know, inflation could crater, the economy could crater, interest rates could be lower a couple of years from now. Um, we, you just don't know. And then the idea there is, okay, well, in that case, I've got some of those three and a half percent yields that locked in for 20 years and now interest rates are 2% two years from now. Okay, but I, I now I only have to reinvest a portion, those bonds that are maturing in two years. Now I'm going to reinvest those at whatever interest rates I can get at the time. But again, the idea here is that I've kind of managed that risk and I've created visibility over, you know, over these timeframes as to what my total return is going to be and um, bond laddering then. So, you know, spreading your risk across those various maturities and by risk, I mean the risk as to what direction interest rates are going to travel over the next couple of years, not talking about credit risk right now. Um, then, then you've avoided, um, you've avoided putting the burden on yourself of trying to predict the future and, and make a bet as to what rates are going to do. Now, it doesn't mean you can't have an opinion. And if you do have an opinion as to whether this is a really good time or a really bad time to lock in interest rates, the beauty of buying um, bonds with specific maturity dates is that you, you, can, you can tilt your risk in one direction or another. You could say, well, look, I really think rates are going to go higher. So I'm going to buy some short maturity bonds right now, 2023s, 2024s, 2025s, so that I'm going to collect a nice income and then reinvest them when rates are higher in a couple of years. Or, or the reverse, I think rates are going to go lower. I think they've peaked. I mean, if, again, if you have a strong view on the market um, or a certain, you know, um, certain risk profile you're shooting for, then I can say, okay, well, I'm going to buy some 27s and some 28s and some 29s because I want to lock in these rates for now. And you might say, well, look, I have a certain goal, right? If I can get 5%, I know I'm going to meet my goals for the next five years. So rather than take the risk, right, of rates going lower, even if they go higher, I don't care because I like the deal I can get now. Great. You buy some, you know, buy some seven or eight year bonds, lock in your 5%, and you know that you've accomplished your goals and you don't have to worry about reinvesting next year and what rates are going to be. So the whole idea here is one is it, it allows you to avoid making bets if, if, if you don't you know have a view on the future it allows you to place one a, a stronger bet if you do have a view or um, if you see an opportunity right to meet a specific investment target uh, or specific need you have an opportunity to lock in you know that that yield to maturity over a certain time period and, and maybe I hope I'm not making it sound too complex because it's actually not. Right? No, actually, I think that was really good. Is that it'll you know what I think that's what we try to communicate with our our clients all the time is that uh, time and the variables are related to time. 
Some of them we know, some of them we don't, right? And so when we place too large of a bet, I love that phraseology, right? That if we're, we're putting too much of our money, too much of our investment uh, capital at work in something, and we're not really sure what the future holds, why do that, right? Let, let's spread that out. Let's Let's not get so convicted or so convinced that there's going to be a certain outcome. Because the one thing I know is that I don't know. Uh, right. Uh, like I tell my clients all the time, they're like, well, we, we pay you to know. I was like, no, you don't. You pay me to not know. And I know that sounds weird, but what, I, what you're helping me understand is, and you used a phrase that we, we really focus on, which is the goal, right? Is like what we're trying to help our clients really define is what is their real goal? What is their real objective? And we break it down into very specific dollar amounts. So we use a concept where we talk about, all right, when we retire, when we're in that window of retirement, and we know, we think we know what our budget's going to be, how much we're going to need per month, right? That's kind of a defined outcome, right? So if I know, and and, and the dollar amounts are going to vary, so don't don't try to lock in on the dollar amount. But if I know I need two thousand, three thousand, four thousand dollars a month. And I know I'm going to need that every month. Why? Because I'm replacing my paycheck. I'm removing the fact that I'm working for a living and now I'm I'm retired and I and I've got maybe different kinds of income coming in. Maybe a spouse is still working. Maybe I'm drawing social security. Maybe uh, I still have a pension. Maybe I have rental properties. But anyway, I can always dial that into what that number needs to be roughly per month. And now I can make that investment. And what I try to get my clients to do is plan over about a three to five year time horizon. So if I know, for example, in 2025 that I'm going to need $3,000 per month, I can make that investment today in a bullet share that matures. And this is where we can talk a little bit more about how bullet shares work that will mature in 2024. And then that money is going to be available for me in 2025 to spend. And I know really pretty closely exactly what it's going to be. And then I don't have to worry about it. And then I can make the next one. And so we use a bridge building analogy sometimes with our clients is that I'm going to build a bridge from here to the end of my retirement. But the planks on the bridge, I'm only going to put about four or five of those planks on there at a time. So the bridge is a little bit incomplete as, as we're moving forward. We know where it's going, right? We know roughly where it's going to be, but we don't know all the planks because we don't want to pay for our lumber, building our planks at the highest price point of lumber, right? We don't want to buy it right now. So that's kind of how we start to use this. And and, and I'm going to not divert too soon, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the yield curve. But for right now, before we go into that conversation, explain to you, just explain bond laddering, but explain how bullet shares assists in bond laddering and then that extra le level of, of what I call diversification that bullet shares can bring versus buying individual bonds to build our ladder. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I kind of mentioned uh, this briefly earlier, you know, bullet shares, the beauty of bullet shares is it takes that all those benefits of bond laddering, but then it solves a lot of the headaches. Um, the first, I, I think, primary benefit of the bullet shares is that you get immediate diversification. And so diversification is really important, right? Because um, when, when you buy a, a corporate bond, especially a corporate bond, right? We're talking about something with some credit risk here. Um, you know, you, you say you've got your 5% yield of maturity on the bond, but there is a risk that something crazy happens. That company could go bankrupt and you're not necessarily going to get your money back. Like that's the risk you take with corporate credit. So you want to have some nice, you want to have several corporate issuers in your portfolio. And by several, you know, typically 20 is considered the minimum for a diversified portfolio. I mean, people can argue over that. Some people, you know, um, some portfolio managers would say 50 is the minimum number of issuers you should have. Well, buying 
you know, creating a bond ladder with 50 different corporate issuers, buying those bonds one at a time and buying them in the over-the-counter bar- market because corporate bonds don't trade on the stock exchange. You're much more uh, uh, sort of um, clumsy to trade than, than just buying exchange-traded equities. It can be a real headache and it can be kind of expensive too if you're trading those bonds in small sizes as well. And so what bullet shares do is each bullet share ETF, right, holds bonds that mature in the year on the name of the fund. So if I buy 2025 investment grade corporate bullet shares, I'm going to get more than 300 bonds that all mature in 2025 with basically, you know, just the, the time it takes to buy an exchange traded um, equity ticker. Right. And so that, that's how the ETFs work is right. Is there baskets of securities that trade on the stock exchange? So you're getting the efficiency of trading something very easily. And then you're getting a very precise basket of securities within that. And so the bullet shares, like as I mentioned, there it's an ETF that holds a large number of bonds that are, are very specifically filtered and chosen for a specific investment profile. In this case, you can narrow it down to investment grade corporates that all mature in a certain calendar year. Once the bond comes into a bullet shares ETF portfolio, we hold it to maturity. So that's how we accomplish that investment profile that looks like buying an individual bond and holding it to its final maturity date and creating that, that visibility in the income stream. Um, and then, of course, those bonds, they don't all mature on the same day. They mature throughout that final year. So what we do is as those bonds mature, we reinvest those proceeds for you in either high quality corporate paper or treasury bills in the end of the year. And then as you get to the, the third week of December, all those bonds have matured, the portfolios in cash, fund terminates in the third week of December and distributes that cash back to the shareholder, just like a bond that pays its par value back when it matures with, and with no action required on the part of the shareholder. So... The idea is to try to bring all the benefits of the ETF technology and ecosystem to the process of bond ladder. Well, no, and thank you for that description, because I think sometimes that's one of our jobs sometimes as advisors is to help take things that are, I'm going to go with reasonably complex, right? And try to make them a little bit simpler and easier to understand. And I, and I think that's really the beauty of bullet shares is, like I said, I can now build a very sophisticated uh, bond ladder and you know uh, different credit ratings. We can talk about that just a little bit. I don't, I don't know that that's a, a huge issue, but I think it is sometimes because some things are, have higher risk associated with them based on the strength of the company. And um, and therefore we can get quote unquote higher yields than we can on, on other things. And um, we're going to talk about that. Um, but I think it's so simple that sometimes like, that's why I said, I, I love your little tool where I can literally pull up a screen on my computer. I can put in how much money per month or how much I have to invest. And I can quickly allocate across all those different things and show people the, the, the combined impact of, of three, four, five, even longer up to like 10 years in, in certain cases, but we typically don't go out that far. And, and that's kind of what I want to talk about next is why, I, I try to stress this. I'm, I'm actually working on a white paper now of why six years from now is the most important year of your retirement, right? And you, and I can see, and our our listeners won't be able to see the look on your face, but I can see. But you're like, oh, I'm intrigued by this idea, right? And so it really comes down to the mathematical um, reality of the yield curve, right? Which is kind of how much yield can I get 
based on time and, and the yield curve shape changes over time. But if I look at it historically, normally the yield curve is fairly steep through years one through five and, and it flattens out around the fifth year. And so what I try to tell people is based on all of the information we know right now, about six years from now is as close to certain at this moment as I can kind of get as to what we could get as the highest yield, right? In a, in a normal yield curve. So I, I just talked a lot in uh, what I call, we use the phrase nerds and we're not afraid to say the word nerds around here. I'm a, I'm a recovering aerospace engineer, so I can, I can say the word nerd pretty clearly. Um, but like, you know, maybe explain to people that idea of, of duration or time and how that impacts the rates that you get. And then maybe also the credit rating, like the difference between high quality corporate bonds and, and, and quote unquote, high yield corporate. Maybe you can explain those two different ideas. Yeah, sure. Sure. So normally, and so you kind of teed this up nicely, normally a normally shaped yield curve, which is not what we're in right now. And we can talk about that in a minute, right? is one where um, short-term rates are lower than long-term rates. And the idea is the longer I'm going to loan my money to a company, the theoretically, the more risk I'm taking, that the environment can change over time. And that company may not be as appealing of an investment five or six years from now. So if they want to lock up my money for a long period of time, they're going to have to pay me a higher rate of return to compensate for that additional risk that's involved in extending the duration of the investment, right? And, um, and, and so it's one of the reasons that, that, that risky companies, we call high yield bonds, for example, there's very little issuance beyond seven or eight years, because if that company's risky now, people, people are not willing to commit to lending money to that company for 10 or 15 years. It's usually only the highest quality corporate issuers are permitted really by the marketplace to issue debt, you know, well beyond 10 years, you know, think of companies like Apple or Google or something like that. Right. Um, and so, uh, so, so that's the idea of, of now that's a normally shaped curve, um, but you do have interest rate regimes like the one we're in now, where the Fed is hiking, the front end of the curve is raising interest rates so aggressively on the front end of the curve to uh, fight inflation there right now that you actually can for short periods of time, or, and which could be even a couple of years, you could have these periods of time where short-term interest rates are actually longer or higher, excuse me. Than longer term interest rates. So that's what, if you look at the investment grade corporate curve right now, it had been almost dead flat for several months where you could buy a two year bond and get 5%. You could buy a 10 year bond from the same company and get 5%. And it was being distorted by the treasury curve, which was inverted because of what the Federal Reserve is doing and raising short term rates so high right now. Actually, the corporate curve inverted last week. So now you can get over 5% on a two year corporate bond. And you could get, you might only get five, 4.7% on a five or six year corporate bond. So a lot of clients are looking at that going, you know, unless I'm really confident that rates are going to be dramatically lower a couple of years from now. And, you know, that's a whole entry. You could probably talk a couple hours about the macro <laughs> environment, whether rates are going to be higher for the next 10 years and then for the last 10 years. But yeah, a lot of people are looking at that and going, why wouldn't I just take, you know, five plus percent for two years? Um, rather than lock in 460 for the next five, but it depends, right? On whether, you know, uh, how that aligns with their goals or not. But clearly um, you have less risk, typically with a shorter term investment, less time for things to go wrong and less time for the, you know, such that the issuer might default on that bond. And so, I, you know, they say, well, look, less risk and a higher yield, that's not, the typical bond market, but that's the market that the Federal Reserve has put us in right now. 
a lot of people are finding that pretty attractive. So not surprisingly, a lot of money is flowing into the shorter term bullet shares in those higher yields. But we are seeing flows across the whole curve because, you know, if you are building a bond ladder, you want to spread. You don't you might, might not want to make a big bet on which way rates are going over the next couple of years. And so you'll buy a range of maturities. But um, the idea there of duration as normally you're going to get higher yields as you move further out in time and commit to lending money for a longer period of time to these borrowers. Uh, credit risk then has more to do with the credit rating of the company, right? What is the what is the market's best estimate as to the likelihood that 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 bond issuer might default? And um, investment grade typically is um, is is where the lion's share of our clients' money goes. But we do have a substantial suite of high yield corporate bond bullet shares. Um, you take more risk. But typically, they offer much higher yield, right? So you could be well above eight percent yield to maturity, um, anywhere from two to seven years out in high yield. Then that would compare to somewhere around five percent in the investment grade suite. But once again, the risk that some of those issuers might not pay you all of your your money back is higher, especially if the economy really rolls over and defaults begin to pick up in the corporate sector. Now you're being compensated for that risk with a lot more yield. Um, and then just a matter, it just a, it's just a matter of how does that you know fit into a client's portfolio? What's the risk tolerance? What's their time frame? Um, and uh, obviously, in a mark and in a market where everyone is expecting a recession, now keep in mind for a year now, recession's been three to six months away, and still three to six months away. It's, you know, those, it, that's a whole interesting conversation. But usually, in an environment where people are expecting a recession, almost by definition, that means that corporate defaults. On, in, in the bond market are likely to rise, then they're a little bit hesitant to uh, to buy into high yield unless they're getting really well compensated for that risk. And you know, at this point in time, high yield spreads are probably fair, fairly priced, but they're not dirt cheap. Like high yield bonds aren't dirt cheap. So we haven't seen like a flood of, of you know, sort of bottom pickers coming into the high yield market at this point in time, but that is also an option. And then we also have investment grade municipal bonds bullet shares great for taxable money right especially if you're you know in a higher tax bracket um those are very high quality very low risk so they definitely pay you know lower yields at times typically than corporate bonds but not always so right it really depends on your tax bracket and that net take home that you're going to get in the muni bond uh, but right now muni bonds are actually priced pretty attractively because that curve is still slightly upward sloping. So you're getting paid to go out in time in the muni market, where in the corporate market, you're actually right now not getting paid to move too far out in time. Right. Well, I think uh, one, I, I, this is a fascinating topic for me. So having Jason on today and, and just his knowledge has, has been amazing, but there's a key thing to his conversation. And I, and I want to use, just go back to the word strategy. Right. Is like what we talked about here is that when we design and and whole, once again, name of our, our podcast and everything that we do is handcrafting your retirement. Right. So what we're trying to do for each one of our clients is there's not a cookie cutter recipe for what works for you. And what Jason was just bringing out is really that, right, is that there isn't a set answer that works for everyone in every circumstance that everyone needs. So what we need is to dial it in, to handcraft it, to figure out your blueprint, and then figure out the right recipe for you. 
And what bullet shares allows us to do is to take this fixed income market and, and the credit risks associated with it, the duration, all these, I hate using sometimes what I call our, 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 our industry terms because they don't mean things to real people, but basically over time, do I get paid for putting my money there, right? And so I want to get paid better for putting my money out further into the future, but I, I don't want to assume that I know what the future holds because just as Jason was explaining out, I mean, if we could have had this debate over the last year, uh, two years ago, um, we could, and I know I could trigger a great conversation around what the money supply increase uh, during the pandemic is going to do to inflation, all kinds of things that you and I, the listener out here, we can't control any of those things. All we can do is adapt to the circumstances that are presented to us and make the wisest choices now with our money to get the results that we want. And that's what we try to do here at Artisan is to try to help you figure out how to do that. And so that's the reason why I want to have Jason on today is to explain, quite frankly, a tool that we use with essentially every single one of our clients is this is how we dial in that shorter duration fixed income plan for you is through bullet shares. So I know Wendy's probably got some uh, closing remarks here that we need to do for this episode, but I, I just personally want to thank Jason for his time today. He's been super informative. Oh, thanks so much, Brett. You know, it's been, it's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, I, I hope it's been helpful. It's, we tried to cram a lot into a short period of time, but yeah, you guys are doing great work. Got a master's class in, in bond investing today for the, for our listeners. Right. Very good stuff. So Brett, how can people get in touch with you? Once again, best way to reach us is just to get to that website, you know, go out to that World Wide web and find artisan wealth strategies and .com. And, and that's the starting point. You can get my calendar and all of our contact information there and, and learn about our practice. Uh, can get links to our podcasts and all the white papers and other informative things that we have available to help you learn about how to handcraft your retirement. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Handcrafting Your Retirement. Visit our website at www.artisanwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 317-660-2855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Artisan Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC.